It's the Old Man Yells at Music Podcast. The show where a guy looks back at selected hits from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Also, some old musical TV shows, albums you may have forgotten or never even heard of, and more. Now, here's your host, the old man himself, Roger Stroop. Hello, and welcome to episode 71 of the Old Man Yells at Music podcast. I'm Roger Stroop. This week, we're going to go through the fifth round of my 80s Uneasy Rider tournament. Now, if you're new to the podcast, this is where I start with 256 strange, funny, different, or otherwise unusual songs that reached their peak position in the U.S. Top 40 between 1980 and 1989. Then I put them in eight brackets of 32 and pit them against each other two at a time, picking winners in those matchups, then matching up those winners, then matching up those winners, and so on and so on, until we get to the ultimate uneasy writer song of the 80s. And also, I present the matchups as American football games, and I assign a score, to, a score to them. And I even write up brief summaries on these fantasy games on my blog at bobbyglovescasey.blogspot.com. Got that? Okay. Today we're going to see what happens in the fifth round. Just 16 songs remain. The oddest of the odd. The strangest of the strange. And now they're about to be culled down to eight. So let's get started. The first matchup is the outnumbered but not outstunned bowl between the 1985 Paul Hardcastle hit 19 and the 1989 Metallica hit 1. Paul Hardcastle is a British keyboardist who first cracked the US charts in 1984 when his song Rainforest hit number 57. He made his biggest chart impact with with 19, which got to number 15. The song is a tr- is an electronic track inspired by jazz, pop, and the pioneering electro sound of early hip-hop producer Africa, Bomb- Africa Bombata. Over this musical bed, Hardcastle laid on clips from an American television documentary called Vietnam Requiem about the impact of the war in Southeast Asia on the, most con- on the mostly conscripted young men the U.S. sent to fight it. There are clips from news- of news reports from the period interviews with soldiers, and most prominently, bits of narration by Peter Thomas, a veteran reporter and voiceover artist who has been heard in countless documentaries, TV commercials, audiobooks, and even giving the instructions for a defibrillator. It's a rare example of a history lesson that was also a big hit in dance clubs. It advanced to this round with wins over Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen, Still in Saigon by the Charlie Daniels Band, Another Brick in the Wall Part 2 by Pink Floyd, and We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. Metallica are a pioneering thrash band from California who had become platinum sellers without the benefit of radio play until one, the third single from their fourth album, And Justice for All, got to number 35. One is a metal epic about a soldier who loses his limbs as well as who loses all of his limbs as well as his sight and hearing and is trying to get someone to euthanize him before he is turned into a sideshow freak. This is similar to the plot of the 1971 film Johnny Got His Gun, clips of which were used in the song's video. It it advanced to this round 
with wins over The War Song by Culture Club, For America by Jackson Brown, Dr. Feelgood by Motley Crue, and 99 Luftballons by Nana. So who moves into the quarterfinals? Well, in this war of, well, war, both songs bring the, bring the big guns. But in the end, the subject of the futility of armed conflict seems to fit the heavy metal genre much better than it does mid-80s high-energy dance music. And in this competition, not fitting in is better than fitting in. Therefore, 19 wins 35-27 to 27 and becomes the first qualifier for our final eight. Our second matchup is the I Ain't Gonna Play Anywhere Kings Are Gonna Undress Me Bowl. Between Charlene's 1982 hit, I've Never Been to Me, and Sun City, the 1986 hit by Artists United Against Apartheid. Hollywood-born Charlene D'Angelo signed with Motown Records in 1973, and she spent the rest of the 70s writing and recording for the label. During the late 70s, she had three songs that peaked in the 90s of the Hot 100, and among those was I've Never Been to Me. That song was rediscovered and played by a Tampa DJ in 1982, and listener response led to the single being reissued and eventually going to number three. I've Never Been to Me is a sappy ballad in which the singer portrays a woman who's lived a life of travel, adventure, and promiscuity, who convinces a frustrated housewife that being married with kids and keeping a home is where the real excitement is. In a pop world that traditionally glorifies sex and glamour, this song was a four-minute wet blanket. It got here with wins over Coming Around Again by Carly Simon, To All the Girls I've Loved Before by Willie Nelson and Julio Iglesias, Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood, and Dirty Laundry by Don Henley. Artists United Against Apartheid was formed by producer Arthur Baker and E Street Band guitarist Stephen Van Zandt in order to record a, a protest song against the apartheid regime in South Africa. On Sun City, which peaked at number 38, artists such, a, such as Springsteen, Bob Dylan, Bono, Pat Benatar, Lou Reed, Run DMC, Joey Ramone, Darlene Love, and Miles Davis angrily decried both South, South Africa's policies and the, the United States' lack of action towards changing them. They also declared that they would never perform at Sun City, the country's premier international music venue that only white people were allowed to attend. It was like, we are the world. Except this time it was, we are the rest of the world, and you, South Africa, need to get your shit together. It advanced with wins over The Way It Is by Bruce Hornsby in the Range, Ebony and Ivory by Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder, We Are the World by USA for Africa, and Rain on the Scarecrow by John Cougar Mellencamp. So who wins here? This is another good matchup, but in the final analysis, the victory has got to go to Charlene and her venture into retrograde slut-shaming before that was even a term. She may have seen things that a woman ain't supposed to see, but the quarterfinals aren't one of them. I've Never Been to Me will go to the last eight after beating Sun City 19-14. to We'll have some more matchups right after this. Hi. This is your host, Roger Stroop. 
letting you know that if you like my point of view on old pop music, you can actually find lots more of it on the Old Man Yells at Music blog. I've been looking back at top 40 charts from the 70s, 80s, and 90s and beyond for almost 10 years now, and I've done hundreds of entries and covered thousands of songs from the American, Canadian, and British charts, from the A's to ZZ Top, from Abacab to Zoom. You'll also find my Uneasy Rider tournaments, celebrating the odd ducks of the American Top 40. The 70s tourney is complete, but the 80s one is just getting started, and you can follow along on the blog as it progresses. And of course, you can find links to the latest episode of this podcast and the accompanying YouTube playlists there. So take a look at the Old Man Yells at Music blog, which you can find at bobbyglovescasey.blogspot.com. Why is it there? You'll have to go there to find out. That's the Old Man Yells at Music blog at bobbyglovescasey.blogspot.com. The third matchup is I'm Into the Clean Stuff Bowl between two 1982 hits, Pac-Man Fever by Buckner and Garcia and Valley Girl by Frank and Moon Zappa. Jerry Buckner and Gary Garcia were musicians from Akron, Ohio, who had had a couple of minor novelty hits before they hit number nine with a song about a video game that had become an international phenomenon. Pac-Man Fever is about a guy going to an arcade to play the game describing how he has to go through the mazes while avoiding the ghosts, unless he has eaten one of the power pills that makes the ghosts turn blue, in which case he has a certain amount of time to eat the ghosts. It e- the song even incorporates sound effects from the actual game. It got to this round by beating Digital Display by Ready for the World, Double Dutch Bus by Frankie Smith, Radio Gaga by Queen, and Mr. Roboto by Styx. Frank Zappa was a Baltimore-born guitarist who had been stretching the musical and lyrical boundaries of rock music since the mid-60s. His only top 40 hit was a collaboration with his 14-year-old daughter Moon Unit that got to number 32. Valley Girl features Moon speaking in the slang of the San Fernando Valley of the time, using words like bitchin', tubular, grody, and gag me with a spoon, while Frank commented on the vapidity of girls like the one his daughter was portraying. It got here by beating Material Girl by Madonna, Baby Makes Her Blue Jeans Talk by Dr. Hook, Paranoimia by The Art of Noise with Max Headroom, and She Blinded Me with Science by Thomas Dolby. Who wins this one? It's another good contest. But in the end, I gotta give it to the song about a piece of electronics. Pac-Man Fever is our third quarter finalist after defeating Valley Girl 25 to 17. The fourth matchup is the Gimme That Magic Flute Numbskull Bowl. Jump in the Saddle's 1984 hit The Curly Shuffle meets Falco's 1986 hit Rock Me Amadeus. Jump in the Saddle or Jump in the Saddle Band, as they're sometimes known, were a Chicago country pop group that found their only major success when the Curly Shuffle got to number 15. The song is a Western swing tune, over which singer Peter Quinn talks about how much he and his friends enjoy watching the antics of the comedy trio The Three Stooges, and how they've even made up a dance inspired by one of the trio. 
bald, klutzy, dim-witted Curly Howard. The song doesn't describe the dance, but Quinn does imitate several of Curly's signature noises and catchphrases. It got here by defeating Twilight Tone by the Manhattan Transfer, I Want to Be a Cowboy by Boys Don't Cry, The Clapping Song by Pia Zadora, and Walk the Dinosaur by Was Not Was. Falco is the Austrian pop singer born Johann Holzl, who had his greatest success in America when Rock Me Amadeus got to number one. Sung in German, it's a song that pays tribute to classical composer Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart and describes him as the 18th century equivalent of a punk rocker. There was even a popular remix with English narration, listing important dates in Mozart's lifetime. It advanced with wins over Rock You Like a Hurricane by the Scorpions, The Legend of Wooly Swamp by the Charlie Daniels Band, Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang, and One Night in Bangkok by Murray Head. Who wins this one? Well, in a battle of songs about heroes from the past, I've got to give it to Jump in the Saddle. At least Mozart is a musician, so a musical tribute makes some sense. Where did a Western swing number about the Three Stooges come from? However it happened, Curly shuffles on to the quarterfinals with a 31-14 victory. matchup is the Coping Mechanisms Bowl, between Weird Al Yankovic's 1984 hit, Eat It, and Bobby McFerrin's 1988 hit, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Weird Al Yankovic is a California singer and accordion player who first gained attention with when his homemade parodies of pop hits were played on the Dr. Demento radio show. He then signed to a major label and scored a number 12 hit with a spoof of Michael Jackson's Beat It. Edith sees Al lecturing a finicky child and trying to get him to eat what's on its plate. It made it this far with wins over Pass the Duchy by Musical Youth, 8675309 Jenny by Tommy Tutone, Money for Nothing by Dire Straits, and Somebody's Watching Me by Rockwell. Bobby McFerrin is a New York jazz a cappella vocalist who had a surprise number one with Don't Worry Be Happy. It's a reggae-style song about staying positive no matter what, on which McFerrin uses his impressively flexible voice to sing lead and, ba and backing vocals, as well as make other percussion and instrumental sounds. Don't Worry Be Happy got here by beating The Longest Time by Billy Joel, Come On Eileen by Dexy's Midnight Runners, Orinoco Flow by Enya, and Wasn't That a Party by The Rovers. So who moves on? Weird Al has more than lived up to his name by getting this far, but he's finally run into his strangeness superior, a literal one-man band who had just been a niche curiosity before stumbling onto a novelty smash. Don't Worry Be Happy eats Al's lunch and goes to the quarterfinals with a 35-19 win. The sixth matchup is the I'll Be Right Here, Watching My Stories Bowl. Between the 1981 hit General Hospital by the Afternoon Delights and Neil Diamond's 1982 hit Heartlight. The Afternoon Delights were four female singers from Boston who had one hit single, which peaked at number 33. 
General Hospital is a disco tune over which the delights rap and sing about recent plot lines from the soap opera General, General Hospital, including infidelity, organized crime, stolen jewels, and more. It got this far with wins over The Goonies Are Good Enough by Cindy Lauper, Betty Davis Eyes by Kim Carnes, Burning Heart by Survivor, and Bat Dance by Prince. Veteran New York singer-songwriter Diamond had picked up numerous hits before Heartlight peaked at number five. Heartlight is a song written by Diamond with Burt Bacharach and Carol Bayer Sager about the title character from the blockbuster film E.T., referring to the alien's desire to return home, his helping his human friend Elliot ride, a, ride his bicycle in the air across the moon, and the fact that E.T.'s heart could actually light up. It beat Who's Johnny by El DeBarge, Major Tom Coming Home by Peter Schilling, Thriller by Michael Jackson, and Velcro Fly by ZZ Top. So who takes this matchup? Neil's tender love song to a special effect was a song I thought might win the whole tournament. But I just can't say it's odder than a rap disco soap opera recap. The afternoon delights make the quarterfinals with a 27-13 victory. We'll have our last couple matchups right after this. The Old Man Yells at Music podcast now has a Patreon. Yes, if you like this podcast so much you were moved to financially support it, now you can. There are different tiers with different rewards, such as early episode access, the ability to vote on future topics, and bonus episodes about extra songs from the charts I cover, other charts from other years, genres, and countries, and even the biggest hits of the 21st century. And you can even pick an episode topic for me at the top level. So if you're interested, go to patreon.com and search Old Man Yells at Music, or click on the link click on the links to the show notes, my social media posts, or the blog at bobbyglovescasey.blogspot.com. Help me yell more at more music. Become a Patreon subscriber today. The seventh matchup is the hopefully there's not a celibate rope in that cell bowl between the 1980 hit Turning Japanese by the Vapors and Young MC's 1989 hit, Bust a Move. The Vapors were a rock band from Surrey, England, whose one big hit got to number 36. Turning Japanese is a new wave song where a man expresses his desire to have photographs of his beloved taken from every angle, including an x-ray. He also states that his lust makes him feel like he is transforming into a person of another nationality and race. This transformation may or may not be a metaphor for masturbation. Or maturation, as autocorrect seems to have said on my script. It advanced by defeating She-Bop by Cyndi Lauper, Centerfold by the Jay Giles Band, Sugar Walls by Sheena Easton, and Whip It by Devo. Queens raised Marvin Young had his first success, co-writing Tone Loke's hits Wild Thing and Funky Cold Medina. Then he scored his own number seven hit. Bust a Move is a rap song about getting with women, but instead of boasting about his prowess in conquests like many rappers do, Young MC gives advice and encouragement to men who are having difficult with, difficulty with the ladies, suggesting 
parties, movie theaters, beaches, and weddings as potential spots to find romance. It beat Walk This Way by Run DMC and Aerosmith, Just a Gigolo, I Ain't Got Nobody by David Lee Roth, You Got the Look by Prince and Sheena Easton, and Keep Your Hands to Yourself by the Georgia Satellites. So who wins this one? Young, Young MC had a great run, but not even his best friend Harry's brother Larry can stop the Vapors from getting to the quarterfinals. Turning Japanese wins 28-10. to 10. And our final fifth round matchup is the My Name Isn't Secretariat Either Bowl between Dan Fogelberg's 1982 hit, Run for the Roses, and Rick Springfield's 1984 hit, Bruce. Illinois-born Dan Fogelberg was a soft rock star who had several hits before he got to number 18 with Run for the Roses. It's a ballad that he wrote and recorded for ABC's coverage of the Kentucky Derby, and the song is an idyllic portrayal of the life of a horse in the years before he gets to compete in the prestigious race. It made it this far by defeating Runner by Manfred Mann's Earth Band, Master Blaster Jammin' by Stevie Wonder, Wipeout by the Fat Boys and the Beach Boys, and Puttin' on the Ritz by Taco. Rick Springfield is an Australian singer who had his first American hit in 1972, then struggled for almost a decade until he came back with the 1981 number one smash, Jesse's Girl. He had a number of hits after that to the point where one of his former labels put out an album of songs he recorded in 1978. Among those songs was Bruce, which as a single got to number 27. Bruce is a rocker on which Springfield vents about how he is frequently mistaken for the similarly named Bruce Springsteen by the women he picks up, by young rock fans, and even by his own mother. It advanced with wins over Leader of the Band by Dan Fogelberg, Yamo Be There by James Ingram and Michael McDonald, You Can Call Me Al by Paul Simon, and Beds Are Burning by Midnight Oil. So who gets the final spot in the quarterfinals? Rick got a lot of mileage about out of being confused with the boss, but here he gets stampeded by a love song to four-legged athletes. Run for the Roses keeps on running 37 to 7. And so we're down to the final eight. We've got a variety of lyrical topics and musical styles, but interestingly, seven of the remaining songs are the only U.S. Top 40 hits for their artists, with Dan Fogelberg having more Top 40 singles himself than the other acts combined. And from this point on, the structure of the tournament it becomes a little different. We started with eight brackets, and all of the matchups were between, between songs in the same bracket. Now that we have all the bracket winners... I'm going to match them up based on style, theme, and other factors. Factors, excuse me. Instead of based on what bracket they were in. This should make for some even more intriguing contests. And yes, I'm working my way through posting the game summaries from previous rounds. And hopefully I'll be at least done with round three before this episode drops. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Old Man Yells at Music podcast. As always, if you like what you've heard, share, subscribe, and leave a review where you found it. 
can also leave feedback on the Facebook and Twitter feeds, both of which are at Mr. B. Glovehead, or on the blog post for the episode, which is at bobbyglovescasey.blogspot.com. Or you can check out the Instagram account, at Old Man Yells at Music. As always, there's a companion YouTube playlist for this episode, which I will link to in the show notes. Also in the show notes is a link to my Patreon, where you can support the show and get some bonus content, and make my charts, just like Mike Birmingham. All lyrics quoted are for the purposes of discussion and review. No infringement is intended. Next time on the show, we're back to the charts, looking at the first week in July of 1985. A major musical event was about to take place, and we'll see what the hits were just before that happened. Until then, I'm Roger Stroop saying, you know what to do, G. Bust a move. Stay safe. <laughs>